take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Thessalonians, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. The first thing I want to share with you is that if you're ever going to have a continued fruitful service for God in your life, you have to have a sound doctrine. Only sound doctrine will ever produce fruitful services for God. Now the length of time between verse 5 and verse 6 is unknown. And there's no reason to guess because nobody knows. So I don't know. And this whole section here, 6 to 10 now, is a tremendous report that Paul has received when Timothy returned from Thessalonica and spoke about their spiritual stability. Paul had moved from Athens where he sent Timothy forth to go to Thessalonica. He had moved into Corinth and perhaps we ought to refresh our memories from Acts 18. After these things, verse 1, 18 of Acts, Paul departed from Athens and came to where? Found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius lately, come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, came unto them, and because he was of the same craft or business, he abode with them and wrought, worked, for by their occupation they were saddle makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Now here is verse 5. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. You see, it moved from Athens back to Corinth, and this is where the report came about the spiritual stability of the people in Thessalonica. And the first word in verse 6 is the word but, which sets this in contrast. But Timothy, just now having come, is a very literal, according to usage, but Timothy, just now having come unto us from you, the us, perhaps Silas and others were there. I believe that from the context and the whole tenor of this record here in Thessalonians, that on the same day that Timothy returned and gave his report about the stability of the Thessalonians, that Paul penned this epistle to them. When Timothy came from you unto us, he brought us good tidings of your believing faith. You have here two major things coming up in this verse. Number one is, this brought us good tidings of your believing. 
and the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. That was the spiritual condition of the people in Thessalonica. Glad tidings of your believing and also that they had the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. In the King James is the word faith, pistis, and the word charity, as you can see. This was the spiritual condition of the people in Thessalonica, the people about whom Paul had been greatly concerned, wondering if they, under the persecution and the affliction and all the deprogramming that was going on, if they were copping out. And when Timothy comes back and brings glad tidings, only one other place in the Gospels is it translated, I think, tidings, if I remember. Otherwise, it's always gospel, glad gospel, glad tidings, good news of their believing and that they were walking with the love of God in the renewed mind in manifestation. And the second great truth in this particular verse is regarding the attitude and that ye have good remembrance of us always. <laughs> that you have good. That word good is kind and affectionate. Remembrances of us always. The word always means continuing. Not just at one moment, but continuing. They had kind and affectionate remembrance for Paul and Silas and the rest of the believers, which was continuing. Well, it would continue if you had the love of God and the renewed mind manifestation. And a third, perhaps great reality in this verse is desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. That word desiring greatly or those words mean tenderly with intense desire. Desiring greatly means tenderly but with an intense desire. Understand? To see us even as we also to see you. The even as indicates a mutual desire to see each other. It's to get together with. The you us in that verse is used four times. You check them. From you unto us, number one, brought us good tidings of your faith twice, charity, and that you have good remembrance of us, number three, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Four times the you us or us you, same verse. You see such mutual appreciation, love, desire and respect must be maintained between the leaders and believers if you want the greatness of God's word to really live. Now verse 7. Therefore means for this cause 
brethren. That's the affectionate term, as you know. Because of this, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. The word comforted in verse 7 includes encouraged. And in this verse, the emphasis here is on the encouragement part, not the comfort. I think in the foundational class, we define it as encouraged toward a more worthy endeavor with the emphasis on the encouragement. It gives you a quiet acquiescence, but in that quiet acquiescence, it encourages you. Therefore, brethren, we were encouraged because of the report that was brought back, which was so favorable to the Thessalonians over you in all our affliction and distress. Affliction and distress are two aspects of a difficult situation. The word distress is when something forces itself upon one from the outside. It's an outward force. The word affliction is a negative type of pressure to which one is subjected by another man pressured upon the other individual by another man. Both affliction and distress are difficult external circumstances. By your faith, by your believing, or through your believing, encouraged in the outward distresses and the afflictions to which they were subjected by man, through your believing, by your believing, by their standing faithful, and through your believing means by which this comforting encouragement was conveyed. The word believing is mentioned four times in this chapter. Verse 2, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7 here. Now verse 8, 4, now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. 4 equals because, hoti, because, H-O-T-I is the Greek form. And this indicates the reason, because of your believing and steadfastness, we live now. For you are standing fast in the Lord. We live now, not just exist. It's like a new lease on life. The form in which it is used indicates that it is a continuing, abiding reality. Because of your believing in steadfastness, we live now. It's an abiding reality. When people stand for God's word and stay put and don't trip out, it's a continuing abiding reality. That's what the usage is here. 
if ye stand fast in the Lord. The if is the word for. And the word you or ye is emphatic. Because now we live for you. Stand fast. You have to stand fast in the Lord, not in your own power, but in the Lord, in his word. And that makes it possible for the leader to live. Because now we live a continuing, abiding reality for you stand fast. As I said to you this noon or sometime, you can quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You can run your retemories through your mind to your blue in the face. Won't help you one bit unless you walk on it. Take action. You have to stand fast. The success of the outreach of God's word, Cor, is dependent upon you and your continuing active present tense to stand. The word stand here means firmly with great stability. That's what the word means. Firmly with great stability in the Lord. Not in their own selves, their own works, or their own abilities, but in God's ability which he infuses in us. For it's Christ where? In us. And therefore you stand firmly. That's what makes the household. The family is birth. The household is standing together firmly with great stability. And it's not just being hot for the Lord today and colder than a cucumber tomorrow. It's continuing to stand day after day after day after day. That's why they lived. Because now we live where you stand fast in the Lord. Verse 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. The word for ties it in with the preceding verse. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith ye joy for your sakes. Two things in this verse, thanks and joy. This verse has that great in-depth emotion which lacks adequate words to thank God. What thanks can we render to God? To render is to repay. What thanks can we pay to God? Or how can we repay God? Again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy. Their joy is so full that they owe God a greater thanks, a greater debt of thanks than any words 
can express for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes. For your sakes is because of you before our God. When he sent Timothy, you remember how great and deep his anxiety was on account of them. And now here, great rejoicing because of them and their steadfastness in the faith. That's the joy of the great household. Verse 10, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Night and day praying exceedingly. Night and day means praying every night and praying every day. doesn't mean continuously, but it does mean praying continually. Never forgetting to pray both during the day and night. And knowing the record in Corinthians and other places, I am sure that he prayed basically in the spirit for them. Praying exceedingly. Exceedingly is super abundantly or exceedingly overflowing. One of the analyticals stated that this was an extravagantly intensive adverb. And I think that's absolutely accurate. It's an extravagantly intensive adverb. Intense earnestness and overflowing. Praying with an intense earnestness overflowing. The word praying is not deep enough in communication. Even though I used words like with intense earnestness and overflowing. The word praying is much closer to the word beseeching. And it's beseeching in its most intensive form. It's not a one-shot deal. But it's a beseeching. Repeated and repeated and repeated. And this is what they were praying or beseeching exceedingly, super abundantly about. Number one, that we might see your face. And number two, might perfect that which is lacking in your faith or in your believing. The first thing I see in the greatness of this, see your face, is to get in fellowship with them. You know, whenever you suffer distress and afflictions like we were reading about in here, there is nothing more wonderful than to be able to sit with people face to face who are not responsible for that distress or for that affliction in your life, but who love you and you love them. And that is the sweetness of the fellowship. See, in chapter 2, verse 18, he said, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but what? Satan hindered us. He wanted to return. In verse 6 that we just finished a while ago, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, Longing to see them. Now in verse 10, it has a definite point in prayer. Just made it a 
very definite, in-depth prayer desire. Nothing more healing, nothing that brings a greater inner blessing and quietness to a man than to be in fellowship with those who love him and whom he loves. That's why to see your face is that type of fellowship. That's what he's praying about, beseeching. Just wants to see him. And secondly, he just doesn't want to sit with him. He does, and yet that's not the only reason. He wants to secondly perfect that which is lacking in your believing. Perfect that which is lacking. The word perfect means fitting together. To order and to properly arrange so as to bring to completion fully that which is needed. That's the word perfect. Really something. Fitting everything together. That means to orderly and properly arrange so that when it's all put together, it brings to completion fully all that which is needed. The word lacking, of course, is deficiencies. They certainly were not lacking on the side of being loyal to Paul and to the word or as far as zeal is concerned because out from them the word had moved to other parts. They were out witnessing. So to bring to perfectness that which is lacking has to be on the side of knowledge of God's word and insight into God's word. So their deficiency was not in their enthusiasm. Their deficiency was that they still needed added instruction on the accuracy of God's word, the knowledge from the word, and the insight into the word of God, how to practically apply it more efficaciously. They were praying day after day and night after night to be able to go to Thessalonica to see their face and to be able to bring them into a greater knowledge and insight into God's word because this is always easier done when it's in person. It is always better in person than a letter or an epistle. But the doors did not open at that time for Paul to go to Thessalonica. Therefore, this epistle. Praise the Lord. For us, he didn't get to go. Else we might not have had these great teachings. So a letter is better than nothing, you know. Better if Paul personally could have done it, which we know, but the letter is better than nothing. 
And now the second great part of Thessalonians begins after the prayer of 11, 12, and 13. And that second great part is really instructional. Great doctrine. He closes this first section. God closes this by having Paul to give this prayer. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the Perusa, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. That's the prayer.